Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. My name's Darren and I'm here with Faith. Hi. Pastor Faith. And we will get to the sermon in just a little bit, but we wanted to make some time and space to talk about something special that we've been having on Sundays. And it's a new song that Pastor Faith, you and your husband, Josh, wrote, and we've shared it with our community. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the name of it? Yeah. And where did it come from? Yeah, so it's called We Need You. Um, and I, I'm going to root this in 1 Corinthians 2 when Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, the, the first thing that was written for this song was the beginning of that bridge section that says, We don't need better plans. We don't need clever thoughts. We need your Spirit, O oh God. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want we want a display of God's power, which is really what the world needs. They don't need to see a show, or even in the area of worship, they don't need to hear good music. We need to see a display of the power of God. So it came from that heart cry. And then the beginning of the song kind of sets up this space where we invite Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, we clear out all the distractions, the things that get in the way and then just simply cry out for more of Him. And it's this this longing to be a, a space where the Spirit would rest mm-hmm. as a community. Yeah, I love that. That's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church. Exactly. Knowing that the Spirit is present, like He's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate. And I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship, but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into. And, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it. And it's like people have been singing it for weeks. <laughs> and it was just such a cool thing to experience. And so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning. And we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place um, that you're talking about, just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song, We Need You, and I hope it blesses your heart. Garden Church Podcast. Morning, church. You made it. Congrats. Well done. Sunday morning, and you came to Franklin Middle School to worship the resurrected Christ. I was reflecting on that, about how important it is to just reorient our schedules around worshiping Jesus. And Sunday morning is this 2,000-year-old tradition where the, the Hebrew followers of Jesus decided to change what was established on the Sabbath, a Saturday, and they made it a Sunday because that's the day that Jesus raised from the dead. So here you are. You ready to encounter God? Have you? <clears throat> Man, I'm ready. I'm very excited for today. We are in a series called Remember. And we're basing this off the commands in Deuteronomy where Moses, as he prepares the people of God to inherit the promised land, writes Deuteronomy as this book to help them remember who they are, their identity, remember the Lord's commands, uh, so that as they enter into the promised land, a land that would be flowing with milk and honey, what does that mean? A land of abundance, of security, of prosperity, And he writes these commands so that when they enter into this promised place, 
where there would be um, houses, where they would have a land to cultivate crops, where they could grow and have generations inherit, inherit various wealth and pass on to the next generation, that they wouldn't lose their dependence on God. And so we're using this as a way of framing for our local community what it means to move into the new thing God has for us. I don't believe where we're moving is God's promised land for us. I think as the people of God, we're designed to, to remain in, uh, uh, in dependence, in dependence, as we, we wait for the he- heavens to be restored on earth once and for all. So create, uh, all of the earth will be recreated and renewed or restored. So we will be wandering, waiting for that second coming. But for us as a people, we've been setting up and tearing down for 14 years. Some of you don't realize how significant it will be when the worship team shows up at like seven and pushes the on button. All the people in the back that are having cameras, they say amen. They come at 645. They volunteer. They set up to serve our community with amazing worship. Can we give it up for them? The last 14 months as a community, more than that, we've had one service. So we have men and women serving and kids and youth. They don't get to see this. They have to watch this online. They're watching all the hundreds of kids that are, are being uh, discipled in kids' church right now. They come in, some of them come in for a little bit, but we have a, a bunch of volunteers that serve all the time. They'll be able to not only serve on a Sunday, but then participate in the second gathering. That's exciting. But we got to remember, remember what this season's been like. So I have um, some really important things. So last week we started with first love. If you were here, we went after it. We recognize we can, get, we can have all sorts of stuff dialed as the people of God, as a church. We can get really good at evangelism. We can get really good at website content. We can get really good at preaching and worship. And we can get good at all this activity. But if we don't pursue a first love mentality and passion and heart for Jesus, it doesn't matter. That's on you. It's not on us. It's on me. It's on you to wake up and go after Jesus every day. We talked about making quiet time great again. And I'm, I'm here for that. All right, we have a new topic today. So first love, this is number two. If you have a Bible, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. I want to I wanna, I wanna start with this story. It says this in verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, Well, how can I help you? Tell me, what's, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all. Let me say that again. Your servant has nothing there at all, except, (laughs) I love that, nothing at all except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it, put it, to one side. 
She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. I love this story. It's cool, right? It's a creative miracle. Elisha is a prophet of Israel. He's selected by God. He took over Elijah's job. He is a prophet. He represents God. He represents the voice of God, actually, to the people of Israel. And there's a crisis, and I love it. The crisis is, is a common. It's, it's someone has debt. The, her husband's dead, tragedy, and he left a debt to this widow, and now the kids are going to be sold into slavery to cover the debts. She goes to Elisha. He was a prophet in the, the house of God, you could say, one of the company of the prophets. He died. She tells him the crisis, and he's like, oh, what am I, how can I help? What do you have? And her response is nothing except, just think about that for a moment, nothing except a small jar of oil. Elisha, do you think there was like history of this? Do you think there was like a a playbook for prophets, a conference on what to do when the widows come? 10 slides on Instagram that help you when you're going through this type of event as a prophet. No, it wasn't like that. He has this idea. Hey, take what little you have and go now and grab as many jars as possible, shut the door and pour that oil out. Just empty it out. And she does. And what happened? A miracle. Do you notice that it's the miracle, and and this is true throughout Scripture, almost always starts with the natural? It almost always starts with the natural, what you can see, what what little you have. Do you remember the the miracle that Jesus, hey, you know, you feed them, and they're like, ah, we got two fish and five loaves of bread. Great. Perfect. All we have is, I've got nothing except... And what does God do? Well, in this instance, he takes the injustice that this woman was facing and flips it upside down. This creative miracle, which, I mean, I could go off on this. Why is a prophet in God's house, why does he have debt? Why does he leave debt? And if you read Deuteronomy, you see what happens. He He wasn't a righteous man leaving an inheritance other than debt for his kids. A a blessed, righteous man leaves an inheritance. But what God does is he takes what's lacking and makes an abundance. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But what I want to talk about is something else that's underneath the surface. For the woman, Elisha represents the voice of God. And in this moment, she hears something crazy, something weird, strange, go to my neighbors and get empty jars and do what? Go to your neighbors, act like a fool, grab the empty jars, then close the door, don't let anyone see, and pour out, accept that 
small jar of oil until it fills all the jars and there are no jars left to fill. And then take care of your debt and live off the rest. What does she do? She hears this crazy thing. She obeys and God performs a miracle. If there's one thing that we need to carry on in this next season, if there's one thing that has marked our church for 14 years, it's wild obedience to the voice of God. In fact, I would say to summarize what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, it is to practice hearing God's voice and obeying. That's it. Are you with me? You guys, are you sure? Some of you are more than others. Let's get a little vocal this morning. I'm ready for it. Franklin Middle School, we're here. Let's go Garden Church. So we're going to talk about wild obedience to the voice of God. How do we hear God's voice? How do we discern his voice? How do we practice obeying? That's what we're going to go after. So grab a paper and pen or pull out your iPad, whatever you got. Let's take some notes. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, we're at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. I love this because it's the greatest sermon ever told in just a couple of chapters. And if anyone's seen... Season three, episode one. I'm a huge fan. I don't get paid for it. I'm a huge fan of The Chosen. I wish I was sponsored. You're like, don't give it away. It's in the Bible. Are you kidding me? You can read it. Spoiler alert. He dies. But then he raises again. Okay, again, you can read it. Let's go. Verse 7, or I'm sorry, chapter 24, it's the very end. He, he closes this epic sermon with, therefore, verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. Normally, we have no context for what that means in Southern California, but now we do, <laughs> Right? atmospheric uh, rivers came down and the streams rose and the tides came and the winds blew and beat against the house and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But look at this. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. Jesus summarizes the, the Sermon on the Mount, and he just gives it a real simple um, challenge. He's like, if uh, those of you that hear my words and practice them, that word practice in the Greek is simply translated to do. So if you hear and do them, or hear and obey, you're like a wise person who built a rock on a found, or built a house on a foundation of rock. No matter what comes against your life, you will withstand the opposition. Even when all you have is except a small jar of oil, they ha you have capacity to withstand, to hold fast, to make it through whatever's coming because you have built your life on everlasting you have built your life on the eternal. It's not Bitcoin. 
It's not stock market, right? It's not whimsical investments or fads or whatever it is. It is the word of God. It is the voice of God. And it will last for eternity, even if it leads to your death as a martyr. It's not about you having the best life now. It's about you having his life now. Let's go, Joel. Um, Just kidding. I love it. It's a great book. Um, The word practice means to do. So discipleship to Jesus is so simple. We don't need to overcomplicate it. We talk about practicing the way and all these disciplines. I totally get it. But at the end of the day, it's very simple. It's hearing his voice and doing what he says. And if you've never heard the voice of God in your head and heart, which we'll talk about, you can start here. And if you're not looking right now, it's the Bible I'm holding up. And what I'm saying is that this is the word of God. And if you haven't learned to hear God's voice in ordinary life, which we want to train you in, we believe everyone has the access to hear God's relevatory voice here and now. He speaks to us. He desires that. He has already spoken through Jesus, and he's already spoken through the word, the scriptures, the holy scriptures, which has authority for life. You can start here, and you can end here, and it will be enough. If you just take the Matthew of gospel, if that's all you got, and put it into practice, you would have a vibrant life in Christ. I believe that with all my heart. But as we move along, we want to learn that God not only is always speaking, he desires to speak to us. God desires to speak to you, and he's always speaking. The question is, are you listening? Now, for the sake of time, I had some insight I want to share with you. I'm just going to summarize it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. I want you to go there real quick. Deuteronomy 6, 4. It's the most famous passage in the Old Testament for the Jewish community. Okay? It's called the Shema. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the Shema prayer. So, So over and over again, the Jewish community would say this when they woke up, when they went to sleep, when they would walk into a place, when they went to Shabbat, when they practiced Sabbath, when they went to the synagogue, they would say the Shema prayer. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And if you go on, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now this passage at the time of Jesus was like the Pledge of Allegiance to the Jewish faith. It was a summary of all of the Old Testament. It was like saying, I believe in all of the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi. It was just saying, that's what I believe. The 613 commands, all the things that God did. It's a way of just recommitting your your faith. It's the declarative Shema prayer. The word Shema is translated from Hebrew to mean hear. Hear, Israel. Shema, Israel. Now, in Exodus 24, it says this, verse 7. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, We will do everything the Lord has said. We will shema. The word, though, in Exodus 24, verse 7, shema is obey. So the actual literal Hebrew definition of shema is to hear and to obey. In fact, every time we read the word shema in English, when it's translated from the Old Testament, it almost always means to obey. So every place we see the word obey in the Bible, it's translated from the Hebrew word shema, which encompasses this idea that's not just about listening. It's not just about hearing the word. It's not just about ideas in our head. It's about understanding. And all, this, all the wives in the room are like, that's it. 
That's what I'm getting at. You're hearing me, but you don't understand. You heard my words, but you didn't do them. The Hebrew understanding is you don't actually hear something until it gets inside of your heart and it changes something inside of you so that you act based on what you heard. Are you with me? It's why Jesus says it's for those who have ears to hear. Let them hear. He's tugging on this idea that you can't possibly hear the word, hear his teachings, and not live in obedience to them. How are we doing, church? That's why James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James chapter 1, verse 22. Let me read that one more time because you're, you're like, that's a good one. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. What does all this mean? All it means is simply this. Central to the way of Jesus is hearing God's voice and obeying. Hearing God's word and obeying. You don't have to get clever. You don't have to get um, complicated. It's real simple. As followers of Jesus, we need to develop a rhythm of life where we listen to the word, we, we understand, we, we are opening ourselves to the word, and we obey his word. And I believe if disciples of Jesus today would learn to hear his voice and obey, there would be a new Jesus movement in society and culture. I mean that sincerely. He's just waiting for the church to say, yeah, let's do it. It's, it's not a side gig. It's not a convenient, consumer, clever, whatever, sexy in the moment for my family, if it works, as long as there's no sports on Sunday type of thing. Like, no, this is it. I'm either all in or not. There's no, like, in-between. And unfortunately, we have this in-between, lukewarm faith that we call consumer Christianity, And I just think thousands of years ago, a thousand years ago, martyrs would just be looking at how we're stressed about our faith, thinking we're being persecuted as they're shackled in various prisons around the world. Got to wake up. Got to take this stuff seriously. Is that okay? Can I say that? You're like, oh, I'm going to go to a softer church where the pastor's not so mean. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm realizing my personality can get in the way of what I'm doing. I just realized that, you know? And again, I'm just reflecting on my friends coming to preach like Jason Ballard. Like I have this frustration. I talk about it to pastors all the time. I just say it's the grace on people's lives. It sucks, you know? It's like John Mark, good friend, he comes, preaches on Sabbath, and our church is like, oh my gosh, Sabbath is so amazing. Can you believe this? I'm like, Bill and I have been talking about this for years. Like we've done series. Since like 90, 1999, like I don't know, like all of a sudden, but there's a grace on John Mark's life. Jason Ballard, discipleship, there's this statistic. Did you know that you could be billions? I'm like, I gave you that statistic. I know I gave it to you in a Zoom call. Where did I get it? You got it from me. But he says it in a way, and all of a sudden, everyone's making disciples. Grace on Jason's life. I don't know what's on my life yet, all right? So we'll do a redo. I got to say it like Jason. I don't know how to talk with a Canadian accent. Anyways, here we go. So let's talk about hearing God's voice. You good? All right. So 
Let's talk about hearing God's voice. But before, let's talk about how, uh, reasons we might not hear God's voice. How about that? Here's some points. You can write these down. Number one reason you're not going to hear God's voice, you have a distorted view of God. Distorted views of God. Yeah, so when you um, have bad theology, it messes up your life. In the same way that good theology empowers a fruitful life. This is why theology is so important, especially biblical theology. But one of the primary reasons I think you might have not heard God's voice is you have a dysfunctional or inaccurate view of God. He's angry. He's disinterested. He's not listening. He's an absentee landlord. He's not loving you. He's waiting for you to mess up. And if you believe any of these things, if you believe God's not interested, if you believe that God doesn't speak today, if you believe that actually when this was canonized in the, through the canonical process that the spirit, spiritual gifts died and God's revelation of speaking today is gone, then why would you pray anyways? Your theology shapes the way you interact in the world. So if you have a dysfunctional view of God, you're not going to hear his voice. That's number one. Number two, um, we are not prepared for God to speak. I think as we have a better theology, I think in many ways, we're just not prepared. Our, and I love what Dallas Willard says. He says, our failure to hear his voice when we want is due to the fact that we do not, in general, want to hear it. That we want it only when we think we need it. And, and what, what is most of the prayer? When, it's like when people ask me, oh, can you help? Like, how do I know it's the voice of God? Usually it's about discerning some big decision. So if you're, you're looking for God to speak in a big decision, that's, that's like Super Bowl Sunday kind of stuff. But you're not opening your life daily for the normal little things. Like, God, oh, do you want to say anything to me today? Do you want to just say anything to me? Every time, it's so fun. I journal every morning and I, I ask this question. Every single morning, I hear from the Lord, I love you so much. Sometimes that's all I hear. And then the other times it's like a list of things and some of it's just my own stuff. I don't know exactly. We'll talk about discernment in a second. But I just wonder if, if, you're, if you're like trying to like discern something that's really important and big, but you haven't been preparing your heart to receive the little things, what makes you think you're going to hear his voice as clearly then? Does that make sense? It's about exercising your muscle, muscles. It's about a 10,000-hour approach to understanding how God speaks to you. All of you will hear God's voice uniquely based on who you are, your personality, and your relationship to Jesus. Like, you, can't, you, can, you can take practices from other people, but eventually you have to discern. It's like being in a relationship, right? You're like, your friends do this kind of date night, dating through the alphabet. That might work for you. It might not work for most of you. Does that make sense? You're like, what's dating to the alphabet? Don't worry, just Google it. You'll figure it out. <laughs> Haven't done it yet. We are uh, number three. We're too busy and distracted. I think this is a big one. We just fill our life with so much noise, don't we? We're just so full. Our every event, the you know, gym, workout, the school drop-off, the pickup, the... Our minds are cluttered with activities, social media, podcast music, phone, there's phones, phone, noise. I don't know that noise and phones together equal foin. Um, <laughs> we won't hear his voice when we're not creating space and margin. Fourth, we don't ask. We're just, we're not even asking. And when I say that, I mean, it's not just asking, it's waiting for him to speak. You're not going to hear God's voice. If you're not asking him to speak, I, I believe this with all my heart, especially in the church, that God, God goes where he's desired. 
right? Like he'll show up here when he's desired here more. He'll be in your life speaking when you create margin to listen. Good? Number five, uh, we just, we don't obey. This is a big one. A lot of times we're seeking God's voice in a situation, but we didn't obey the last time he spoke. Like he's not answering this big request or this small request. Well, you asked a question earlier in the year and he gave you specifics and, he, and you heard them, but you haven't obeyed. So now you're moving on here, but he's still stuck over here. So most of the time when people are stuck, I'll be like, hey, when was the last time you heard God's voice? Oh, did you obey? Oh, no, I didn't. Why don't you go back? Does that make sense? So reasons we might not hear God's voice, those are five that I came up with. Okay, now, I'm going to go through this fast. We've talked on this before. We'll send something out in the e-bulletin with more details. So you can take a picture of these, but we'll have them for you if you're signed up for our email list. Um, maybe you should do that. So uh, here, are, here are the ways God speaks according to the scriptures. Are you with me? So number one, Jesus. He spoke through Jesus. Jesus is Logos, Logos, the Word of God. John 1, 1, Hebrews 1, 3. Number two is the Holy Spirit. I've been meditating on um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, the whole chapter. And it's, Paul says in chapter uh, 4, verse 1, that the Spirit clearly says in later times, this is what's, there's going to be deceiving spirits. He's, he, he clarifies it's not the Father speaking. It's not Jesus speaking. The Spirit of God is saying these things. The Spirit speaks. Number three, Scripture. God speaks through Scripture. Number four, creation. God speaks through creation. Have you ever seen the sunrise? You're like, yeah. Were you moved by it? I, there was a moment in my life, and to this day, it, it was the most significant sunrise I've ever witnessed. And I heard the voice of God in the sunrise. I, I kid you not. It was like an inner thing, which I'll talk about. But it was through creation. I was on this epic trip where we went off-roading for four days with a bunch of dads and sons, and we pulled up at night to the northern rim of uh, the Grand Canyon. And that morning, we woke, I woke up early. I'm like, I'm going to sit. We didn't have our phones for four days. It was amazing. I'm going to sit and watch the sunrise. And sure enough, I put my chair, and I just watched this dark thing. And then all of a sudden, light came from the left onto the right. And I watched the sunrise over the Grand Canyon. Now, two things happened. Number one, I was in awe. I was so moved. I felt so small and so big at the same time. I felt like I was expanding in the universe. I was so new agey. It's crazy. I can't, I can't explain it. You had to experience it for yourself. The second thing that happened in that moment, as I experienced this transcendent moment, I wanted my phone so bad. I just want to take a picture of this. Isn't that weird? I wanted to capture it so I can tell people, but now I have this feeling inside of me and this memory. But some of you know what I'm talking about. You get into the woods, you get into the ocean, you're like, there is a God. God speaks through creation. Um, number five, God speaks through angels. Uh, I've never seen an angel before that I know of. I've, I've seen demons, actually, so therefore I have seen fallen angels. I take that back. Let me reclarify. I have seen demons, fallen angels, and God speaks through angels. And if you read the Bible, Old and New Testament, especially the New Testament, there are a lot of words God gives people through angels. Now, I know it's hard for us to hear. You know, we're used to our Bible. We want God to speak to us to our utmost for his highest. 
But if you open yourself, oh, I'm nothing wrong with that. But if you open yourself up to the ways God speaks, some of you might have dialogues with angels, supernatural beings that have messages for you for this time. There's so many passages, passages in scripture. The sixth is the audible voice of God, which is Exodus chapter three. There's lots of places, but there, God speaks audibly. I've never heard the audible voice of God. Number seven, I'm going through these fast. Dreams and visions. Have you ever had a dream that was more than a dream? Raise your hand if you've had dreams. Like you feel like God spoke to you through dreams. Yeah, isn't it? So check this out. You're like, oh, that's supernatural. No, it's a natural thing that God does. Like God speaks to you in supernatural ways through the natural. Dreams and visions. You close your eyes and you can imagine things. Like if you, um, and, and, and what you need to see is that God, that is one way God will get your attention, especially when you're busy and not paying attention. He'll just be like, go to sleep. I'm going to talk to you then. Think about it. You're too busy with all of your podcasts and YouTubes. Some of you online watching it live stream. I'm speaking to you right now. Just kidding. Just kidding. You need to shut the live stream off, shut the YouTube off, shut the podcast off. And when you're awake, listen to God. But if, he's, if, he, if you're not going to do that, he might just speak to you when you're sleeping. And in fact, all of you should ask the Lord to speak to you through dreams. I think the Lord's going to increase, especially in the next generation, dream life. That we're going to take seriously dreams we have in the same way that we take seriously uh, prophetic or words of knowledge, which are easier for us to kind of grasp. But I can't tell you how many decisions we've made, to be honest, through confirmation through dreams. Pastor Bill is still here because of a dream I had. Pretty awesome. I, I mean, I can remember, I can recall, I was in London before we started the garden. It was the Long Beach Project. We had just started meeting weekly. Uh, it was 14, 2008, 15 years, no, 2009, 14 years ago. And I'm in London and I have this wild dream. Pastor Bill and I are going to a wedding. He's got the keys. He unlocks the doors and we, we host this event and he's, he does the wedding. I'm standing there watching him. And then, and then he takes up, he cleans everything up and then he locks it and then he hands me the keys and then we hop in his little truck. At the time he had a, a little tiny truck with only a bench seat basically and he was driving me around and then we went to the next place and this time I was preaching, doing the, the wedding ceremony. He was watching and I locked up and did what he did. And next time I got in the car seat and then I drove off and he was next to me and then I dropped him off and drove away. It's pretty crazy, right? I was like, I don't know what that means. My wife and I are starting a church. I had never preached more than a couple sermons in my life. And I was like, Pastor Bill just handed off his church. Maybe he would come and preach, you know, a couple Sundays when we start our church. And he's been here ever since. I mean, I could tell you so many stories of dreams, dreams and visions that people had. I mean, I'm just, there's so many. But God speaks through dreams and visions. And we need to wake up to those things and begin to obey when he speaks. That was a, a very good moment for my career. I just want, I want to point this out. Like, I, I love studying leadership. Leaders get people who are better than them to do it with them. That's what I did with Bill. Still to this day, I'm a 20-something-year-old at the time. Hey, you're, you know, you led a church for 33 years. Could you partner with me? He said, Yes. Right? So young, some of you are young. You're like, just hang out with the older people that have it. Invite them to help you. That's what I did. And our church is better because of it. It's here probably because Bill's here. <laughs> Too many times I would have blown out or burned out if it wasn't for Bill. It was a dream that led us to that decision. Eighth. Are you guys good? Is that all right? Yes. Number eight is prophecy. 
And we just had a conference on this. So go back to some of the great teachings from Julian Adams and Chris Vallotton. God speaks through prophecy. God desires that we would prophesy to each other, that we would speak to one another as, uh, in a way that God speaks through us to other people, that draws people into their future, that draws people into the uh, to understanding what God desires for them. Not only does God speak through prophecy in the church, but he wants us to create a prophetic culture where when people step in here, they're being drawn into their, their preferred future that God has for them. That's what prophecy does. It encourages, it builds people up. It will set people free. It will comfort people when you hear the voice of God for the sake of others. It is a powerful tool to be someone who's equipped in the power of the Holy Spirit to prophesy to the body and to strangers. How many of you know God wants to use you to live prophetically wherever you go? To speak words of encouragement and comfort, to bring healing words of affirmation to a world that's dying in criticism. That's what prophecy does. Now, there's various forms of prophecy um, that I just want to speak to for a moment. Sometimes you'll have a prophetic word. from You'll come up forward and someone will know something about you that they shouldn't know. That's a word of knowledge. And then it becomes prophetic when they pray into that and it becomes reality. Does that make sense? And those prophetic moments are amazing. And then sometimes there's prophecies for a corporate body. Now, both are important to test and weigh, but some of them are weightier than others. Does that make sense? So sometimes we're stepping into the prophetic culture. We're wanting to grow in words of knowledge and prophecy, and we might have a sense and bring it to somebody. It might encourage them for a moment. And then sometimes there are prophetic words that are powerful, profound, and are weighty that need to be tested and held. And, and we need to partner with, it, with God in those things to see them come into reality. Does that make sense? All I'm trying to say is that as, as we grow in prophecy as a church, God's going to use you to speak prophetically to one another. And there are going to be moments where God comes and gives us prophecy as a word for our body. And we need to partner with God in those things to see them into reality. I'm setting this up for future prophetic words that are going to come to our church. So God speaks through prophecy. Number nine, how are we doing? Are we awake? Do I need to take a quick side? You guys okay? Middle section? Just hold on sides. Middle section? You good? Yeah? Got some fists in the air. I love it. Left, my, my left, you're right. Okay, let's go to the holy section. You guys good? I told you. I told you. The fear of the Lord's over here. Number nine, circumstances. I want to say that this is how most of you try to hear God's voice. This is what I've experienced as a pastor for 15 years. Most of the time, you're discerning God's will through the circumstances of your life. What do I mean? Well, is it an open door or a closed door? And here's the tricky thing about this. If it's an open door, sometimes it's open because the enemy's tempting you. Sometimes it's closed because the enemy closed it, and you need to get your shoulder and knock that thing down because it's the word of God. And how do you know? Well, that's going to be discerning the voice of God. Circumstances are okay, but they're not always the, the way God speaks. So we've got to learn discernment. He can speak through circumstances. That's part of how God speaks. But I don't want this to be the way you discern everything. Does that make sense? So yeah, you should discern, oh, I got this cool job opportunity across the, uh, you know, I've been praying and I got this job. I'm going to leave community and make tons of money. That might be the enemy. 
I like to say that if, if the devil can't shut you up, he'll give you a megaphone. Right? And so a lot of pastors, I'll speak to my, my profession, a lot of pastors think that getting notoriety and book deals and a lot of followers on TikTok and Instagram, like there's a generation right now that's getting famous for talking about Jesus on TikTok and having thousands of followers, but they don't have the character that's been formed or the identity to take on that type of public space. And it's, it's, it's what the enemy loves, gives you too much influence, power, notoriety without the character. And we see it a hundred times, thousands of times. It just, you collapse under the weight of what you have to carry. That's why when God calls people, oftentimes there's a season of hiddenness, right? There's a season of, we're going to hide you for a bit. We're going to keep, yeah, you're called to lead movements. Yep, you are. You're going to stay as a, a barista for a while. You got this vision of this career that's going to take off. Yep, we're going to keep you, you know, in this job where nobody sees the the work God's doing in you. So that one day when Goliath comes, you kill Goliath, not because, you know, it was a spontaneous moment, but you've been preparing for Goliath with some lions and bears. How are we doing, church? We want to jump to Goliath not knowing that there were years. David was a boy anointed as king, probably 13 years old, and didn't inhabit that career moment for, they say, 14 to 19 years later. Or, uh, yeah, 17, possibly 17 years later. So we, we recognize that there is a season of preparation. So all to say, circumstances cannot be the only thing that you discern God's will. Number 11, and this is how I think most of us outside of circumstances, oh, I'm sorry, 10, uh, gut feeling and sense. Uh, uh, this is how I hear God a lot when I'm praying for people. It's a sense that God nudges your heart. It's a feeling. It's a vibe. Right? You have a vibe about something. You're like, oh, there's a vibe here. It feels off. It's sensing God. Number 11, uh, sorry. So uh, when it comes to the prophetic, this is how I operate. Um, and I'll talk about this in a second. But when, when you have that sense, I love John Mumford, when he was here to let an empowered conference, he talked about it as like a butterfly. It was so helpful for me. Where it's like a butterfly landing on your shoulder for a moment and then flying away. That sense of all of a sudden, you have this sense about something. Was it the Lord? Well, you don't really ever know until you try it out and obey, right? But so that's a sense, a gut feeling. That's how God speaks. And then the last one is directly into your heart and mind. This is the primary way God speaks through his Holy Spirit to us. It's the still, small voice. Dallas Willard says, or the interior or inner voice, as it is also called. It is the preferred and most valuable form of individualized communication for God's purposes. God usually addresses individually, individually address, God usually address individually those who walk with him in a mature personal relationship using this inner voice, proclaiming and showing forth the reality of the kingdom of God as they go. I love this because you think, oh, I want to see visions. Yeah, that's awesome, 100%. I want to talk to angels. Yes, you do, and you might be terrified. I want, to, I want to have dreams and prophecy. But as a mature follower of Jesus, real maturity is just that inner voice. 
just that little gentle whisper into your mind. And that whisper will move your entire life. Like you will do radical things because of the whisper. What I'm getting at as a church is the whisper. I want you to become the kind of mature giants in the kingdom that will hear the whisper of God, obviously test it, and move mountains because of it. That's what maturity looks like. I want all of them. You know, God, I want you to be good at all of them. I want you to know Jesus' voice, the Holy Spirit voice, and the Father's voice. You can have a, a, a fun, imaginative prayer life with all three of the Trinity. There are seasons where some of you have been carried by the Father. There are seasons where some of you have been carried by the companion of Rabbi Friend Jesus. And there are seasons some of you have been empowered and comforted by the presence of his spirit inside of you. You need to know all of the the ways God speaks. In Bill's class, when I was a student, he would say things like this, and it made me so, I was like, you're so weird. (laughs) He's like, sometimes I'm walking and Jesus reveals to me the kind of flowers he likes. I was like, that's so why. And then I'm like, now I'm like, gosh, that's such maturity. I want that relationship. He hasn't talked to me about his flowers yet. But anyways, <laughs> I got some time. Bill's almost 70. So uh, verse, anyways, we're not on a verse. How, how do you know if he's the one speaking? Can we talk about that? How do you know? Um, this, the, the easiest way to talk about it is to say, you got to spend time with God. You're like, oh, it's like moms at the park. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever been with a bunch of moms with their kids playing at the park? They're having discussions. They're talking about all sorts of things, you know, talking about serious life things. They're talking about philosophy. They're talking about naps and breastfeeding. And, you know, they're talking about what all, there's so much happening in such a short amount. It's like, it's a frenzy, but they all hear each other at the same time, right? This is all happening. They're like, you know, I really don't like Descartes and all that. They're talking about all these, whatever it is, like, I prefer this method of blah, 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 blah. And, it's like there's a child that starts to cry. And like in an instant, it's like they all know it's not mine. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like this super, they're like, I, I'm like, as a father, I'm like, what's going on? I got to go rescue. And I'm like, oh, it's not, it's not even in our group. Okay, okay, I'm good, I'm good. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's like I'll be like in a conversation. I'm like, is that Ezra? He's like, she's like, no, that's not Ezra. He doesn't sound anything like that. How would I know? She's like, how do you not know? How do you discern God's voice? It's like mom's at a park. You're like, I get it, Darren. Oh my gosh. Think about, think about a mom who hears their four-year-old cry, but they had all those sleepless nights nurturing them as they breastfed in the middle of the night. Mm. I want you to have a relationship with God like that. You have nurtured your relationship so that when the whisper comes, the faint, distant, in the midst of the chaos of your life, whisper happens, you know that's the Lord. Then what do you do? Practice discernment and wisdom. You ask the question, does it align with Scripture? You know, if I hear one more premarital counseling couple say like, hey, you know, God's outside of time, so our marriage is outside of time, so we could cross the boundaries because we're going to get married in six months. I'm going to hit you with the Bible. <laughs> like, that is not the voice of God. God does not speak out, and, and hear me, he will not contradict his word. 
You know, I know it says this, but it's kind of gray. It's not gray. It's black and white on this one. Okay, so does it align with scripture? Does it sound like Jesus? People are like, oh, I'm hearing the voice of God and I hear them speak what God's saying and it's just condemnation and shame. It's not the voice of God. Someone's like, hey, they come to me. This has happened when we were at Cohiba. I'm going to say the person was intoxicated and this is the first time I ever saw this person in our church. He's never come back. He's like, hey, I'm here. He was drunk. Um, He's like, hey, I heard from the Lord that you're struggling with lust and uh, you should confess your sin to me as the, you know, you're the pastor. I'm here to like set you free. And I was like, dude, I'm not struggling. I'm not at all. He's like, I think you're rejecting the Lord. I'm like, cool, man. Have a great day. See you later. I did not take that as the word of the Lord. I'm like, that doesn't sound like Jesus. Because how would Jesus say that? You know what I think he would do? It would probably come from a really close friend. Probably someone that was so close to you that you would disclose that. Like, hey, I had a dream. Could be off. I just, I've had a couple dreams. I want to bring something. It could, I don't know, but I had this sense that this is what's going on in your life. If it's true, can I just, I'll be a safe place for you. I don't know if it is. I don't want to bring. And if it was true, could you imagine how God speaks to someone about a real sin and then brings breakthrough and freedom through relationship without judgment and condemnation or a stranger? I think that's what Jesus would do. I'm not saying he won't bring that to people. He won't bring conviction of sin. Of course, that's what the Spirit does to the church. He doesn't convict the world of sin. He convicts the church of sin. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, that's what it says, by the way. In, again, in the scriptures. Let's just keep putting it up for those in the back. Um, the, sec, uh, the fourth thing is ask wise counsel. So if you've heard from the voice, like, and you're discerning something, which I want to talk about in one moment, you got to ask wise counsel. Let me just say this. We don't hear God in a vacuum. Like we don't, it's not me, myself, and Jesus ever in the scriptures. It's me, myself, and Jesus and his bride. I'm sorry, and his church, his bride. It's, we're, we're, we're making decisions, not in alone time with God, but with each other. It's not, desi- sometimes you'll hear God's voice, but it needs to be tested in community. So if you say, I heard from the Lord, it should be confirmed from the covenanted family you have. It can't just be, well, I heard God's voice and I'm rejecting all of you and I'm going for it. it only if, if that's the case every time, you're not hearing God's voice. There are times when, yes, you have to go outside of the community and be like, no, I have to be faithful. But I, I think there's, we need to discern together. Does that make sense? Like, I had a friend who was trying to discern buying a camper van during COVID. A really good one. He's like, and he, and he spent time, and we have relationship. He's like, hey, you know, here's our finances. I'm going to sell this car, and I'll pay this much down, and, you know, here's why. I've waited. I'm not doing it spontaneously. I'm buying a used one. It was all these things, and I'm like, all right, have you been generous? Yes. Have you done steward? Yes. Like, is it much of an overhead? No, it's not. All this stuff. I'm like, cool. And after we sat with it, he's like, I'm, gonna, I'm like, I think you should do it. He's like, I do too. My wife does. Our community. All right, I'm going to do it. And then he buys it, and it's awesome. And then he, he comes to church, and he's sitting in church. And he's worshiping God. And in a moment, God says, don't sell the car. Give the car away. Dang. That's, that's a $45,000 gift. That's, that is big. He's like, you know what? I'm going to do it. He gave the car away. I mean, he didn't ask my counsel because I always said, I know someone that needs it. 
But God told him exactly who to give it to. And it was a, in that answer to prayer for that family. And that became this amazing story. But it's like he's making the, 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 the wise decision with counsel on a big deal to honor God with his resources and his lifestyle and all these things. And then at the same time, God sometimes throws a curveball. This doesn't make sense. Go and ask for the empty jars. Go and ask for the empty jars because we're going to see a creative miracle happen. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, um, lastly, number five, obedience requires faith or risk. And number six, you will never fully know 100%. So just relax. I mean, don't take yourself so seriously. Does he want you to take that job or that job? Yeah. Cool. Should I do this or this? Yep. Be blessed. A lot of times, it's not, you're not going to have a clear answer. Just, so just chill out, okay? Relax. And know that obedience is required, and that will be risky. Um, man, I've got... What, my, my countdown clock is not going. So, uh, Daniel, how much time has it been? Daniel, are you, are you not recording, Daniel? Come on, Daniel. 11.30. Okay, I'll give you a couple more minutes. You guys good? Gosh, I just want you to hear, I want you to hear God's voice. I want you to be wise. I want you to take this and go for it. Oh, you're fixing that now. Now you just figured it out. That's cool. Don't worry. I was just looking back for the clock. Why don't we follow through when we hear God's voice? Have you thought about this? Like, okay, we're learning to hear God's voice. We know how he speaks. We know why we don't hear his voice. Now we're hearing his voice, but we hear his voice and we're discerning it. And then we don't follow through with the word. Right? You heard something about your job. You heard something about your, your career change. You heard something about what you're going to do with your family. You heard something about what you should do with your schedule. You, you heard last, a couple weeks ago through Jason, amazing teacher on discipleship. He tell, And you're like, yes, I'm going to do it. You're convicted. You write it down. You write some names down. And then what? You just keep going. A couple of reasons we don't do it. Number one, we're distracted. Let me just say this. I love what Chris Valentin said. He's like, it's a seed that God gives you, and you take the seed, and you stick it in your pocket. When the word of God's spoken, you got to plant that seed. You got to water it. You got to make sure there's sunlight. You got to make sure there's nothing that's going to dig it up like a little dog who knows what's in there. His name's Chance. <laughs> Stop getting into it, Chance. It's very, it's very personal to me. You gotta, you gotta create space to cultivate it. The second reason would be uh, you, you're, there's a lack of certainty, right? And I think this is the biggest one for most of us. Is it really God? Well, you don't. You will never fully know. You will never know 100%. This is God. So therefore, just jump off the cliff and find out. Okay, it's a bad illustration. Just fly. <laughs> just. Let's not make that one a shirt. <laughs> uh, the other reason is fear, right? I don't want to get it wrong. I'm afraid of getting it wrong. I'm afraid of what it will look like. I'm afraid of being misunderstood. I'm afraid of what people will think. You get that word. I was just talking to Amy, our youth pastor, and she had like a girl's weekend where she got a facial, I think, or a massage. She's living it up, you know, that youth pastor life. Um, 
just kidding. <laughs> and she heard, she heard a specific word of knowledge for the masseuse or the person doing the facial thing. And, um, and she didn't get the word 100% accurate. But the woman was so shocked because it was the second time somebody had a word about this woman's daughter having another kid. And so it turned into this whole conversation about hearing God and prayer and praying for the family. So she, she, she took the risk of being with somebody for an hour, getting it wrong. It's going to be awkward. But she did it anyways, and it turned into this fruitful moment. She didn't know 100%, but it turned into this thing. And you will never fully know. So go for it. Take some risks. Figure it out. Because wild obedience means we're going to get it wrong sometimes. And if you want miraculous, if you want supernatural, then you're going to have to start small. You're going to have to start where you are with whatever faith you brought in. Let me say it again. If you want the supernatural, you got to start small, start where you are with whatever faith you already have. It's the woman. All I got is this. Cool. Go take this, go back home and pour it out. That's all I have though. Think about this. I've got this massive crisis. Man of God, fix my problem. Take your 401k, your last little bit that's going to provide for you and your soon-to-be slave sons, and pour it out based on the word of God. Do you have that faith? I don't think she had that much faith. She was desperate. Her circumstances were speaking, boys are going to be slaves, I'm going to be dead. God has to show up. But she had learned when God speaks, you obey, no matter what the cost. Therefore, she saw that creative miracle. She started with what she had. She started where she was. And some of us, we need to start with where we are. Start with the family you have. Start in the neighborhood you have. Start with the job you have. Start with whatever little faith, however long you've been Christian, however, whether you've read this or not, start with what you've had and start going for it. We're going to see God move in power when we do it. Can you just throw up this next slide? This, this is the other thing I wanted to share. I'm not going to go through it, but it's how to make wise decisions and discern the words from the Lord. This will go out in the email as well. Skip to the next one. I have a bunch of things on here um, that I obviously did not prepare. I should have done part one and part two, but you got, you got all of it today. So I want to say this, a couple of things. Um, I, I continue to believe that God is speaking right now. And I want to say this declaratively. God is speaking to you, always. But are you listening? And I want to say to the Garden Church, the next thing we're a part of is going to be miraculous. I'm not, I'm not saying this like, oh, maybe. I know for a fact where we're headed is into an exciting season of time. And we're going to see miracles. We're going to see salvations. We're going to see house churches released. We're going to see so many things that we've been praying for in this season. We're going to witness it. I promise this. I know this. I know it in my bones. This isn't like external momentum. This is God is speaking. It's not just garden church. I know there are churches around the world right now that are being released and activated by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God is just waiting to pour out his spirit on a church that's ready. He's waiting. And the question I have for you is, will you be crazy enough to go get those containers, 
to prepare your life for when the Spirit of God pours himself out, will you be ready? Will you be ready to go, I'm, I'm, I heard it, I'm going. I'm going to lead a house church because I've been prepared for this moment when there's an influx of new Christians. Or you just continue with the convenient way you've lived. Will you just continue with this cultural consumerism where God's going to bless my business and family and I'm just going to give a couple bucks here and there? Or will you go all in? Will you take the only thing that has value and pour it on Jesus' feet? to know that the supernatural requires first physical sacrifice. Physical, then the supernatural. Natural, then the supernatural. God is waiting for you. He's speaking. Will you listen? Or a better way to say it is, will you obey? Let's stand. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church. Thoughts. We need your spirit, oh God.